Amen. Thank you. Because he lives. We are continuing a series, Portraits of the Antichrist. Looking at the evil that is destined to come before the victory that will end the struggle. And we're looking this morning in just two verses, although um, we'll be looking to give us some help from Daniel chapter 7 and through Revelation as well. But I'm going to ask you to stand in our God's honor as we read the first two verses of Revelation chapter 13. And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear, and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and his great authority. Let's pray. Master, as we approach you, Lord, we need to be reminded that you are victorious. Lord, that there will come a time of suffering, that there will come a time of tribulation, and that the enemy will have a ruler that we refer to as the Antichrist that will come and take charge, Lord, with a charisma that comes from you, from not from you, but from the evil one. And Father, I think of that verse in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen that tells us without revelation we cast off restraint. And Father, I, we just need to hear from you, Lord, because without you we are destined to lose our way and we are destined to be where we don't want to be, Lord. People are lost. People go astray. And just quite honestly, Lord, we need you. And as we think of these coming events, Father, may we be reminded that there's never a bad time to run toward Jesus. So just speak to our hearts, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we think about the power of a charismatic leader, uh, this is probably an email rumor, but I received this email uh, probably about a year ago. And uh, it's a story by Judy Wallman, who is actually a genealogy researcher in Southern California. And as she was working on her own relatives, her own family tree, she ran across a connection with Senator Harry Reid. It's his great great uncle Remus Reed, to which she also discovered she was related. And Remus Reed was hanged for horse stealing and train robbery in Montana in 1889. And in her research, she discovered a picture of Remus Reed, the horse thief. And on the back of that picture was this inscription. Remus Reed, horse thief, was sent to a U.S. government prison in 1883, but escaped and went on to rob the Montana Railroad six times. 
He was caught by Pinkerton detectives and convicted and hanged in 1889. Just for fun, Judy Walma decided she was going to mail a copy of this picture with inscription on back to Senator Harry Reid. And uh, he ended up, his staff ended up sending back a statement that they had written to have a little fun with this picture. And here's what uh, she received. Remus Reed was a famous cowboy in the Montana Territory. His business empire grew to include the acquisition of equestrian assets and dealings with the Montana Railroad. In 1883, he devoted several years of his life to government service, but took leave to resume his dealings with the railroad. In 1887, he was a key player in an investigation by the Pinkerton Detective Agency. In 1889, Remus passed away during an important civil function held in his honor when the platform upon which he was standing suddenly collapsed. (laughs) How is that for political spin? And yet there is coming a leader who will have such incredible charisma that people will not be able to contain themselves with wanting to follow This man, he'll be captivating, he'll be winsome. He will be the devil's right-hand man to seek to accomplish his takeover and his goals. And for a short period of time, he'll be man of the year. (laughs) He'll be on the cover of every possible magazine, a miracle worker, the prince of peace of his day, considered to be the savior of all mankind. There has always been a curiosity about the Antichrist. It's interesting. uh, I googled it just to see what would come up. And in 0.36 seconds, uh, over 11 million websites popped up. I think it was over 11,900,000 websites popped up. There was one, just glancing through that I read about, that was interesting. It was about a Mexican sect who believes that right now the Pope is held captive in the basement of the Vatican while the Antichrist is getting ready to take charge. A lot of curiosity and a lot of intrigue. A lot of people want to know, who who is this person? And the truth of the matter is, there is quite a bit in the Bible that makes reference To the Antichrist. The early church fathers. Several of them wrote extensively. About the Antichrist. And in the New Testament. There are five specific references. That mention the word. The actual word. Antichrist. That prefix anti. Has two meanings. One is against. And the truth of the matter is. He will be against. Everything that is truly Christ. Everything that is truly Jesus Christ. The other definition is not against, but instead of. And that definition is also true. He will seek to take the very place that is reserved for Jesus Christ himself. He will seek to gain that power. That place. There are a number of additional titles given to him throughout the scriptures. Uh, Besides being a deceiver, 
Uh, in Daniel 9.26, he is called the prince who is to come. In Daniel 8.23, he is described as the fierce king. In Daniel 11.21, a despicable man. In Zechariah 11.16, a worthless shepherd. In 2 Thessalonians 3, the destroyer. In Daniel 8.23, a master of intrigue. And in 2 Thessalonians 2.9, the evil man. When John speaks of him in this book of Revelation, he describes him as the beast. The very word could easily be translated monster. Although he comes across with an incredible charisma, in reality, he is a monster who is going to bring about great pain and destruction. In chapter 12, we receive this portrait of the red dragon. No longer was the devil just described as an angel of light. Not only was he looked at one who was suave, but clearly that John 10.10 10 reference to the devil comes out through Revelation 12 that says he is a thief who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. His true nature was put on display, shown in a powerful fashion. And here in chapter 13, we see Satan's prince. We see this demonically inspired dictator who has come to take a place of authority. Uh, we're going to look at the Antichrist associations. Notice here in verse 1, he says, The dragon stood on the shore of the sea. Matter of fact, you can come to the very end of chapter 12, where it tells us the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And then we find the dragon who stood on the shore of the sea. In Revelation 20, there is a description of the sand of the seashore that depicts the nations of the world. So this is a picture of that dragon as he looks out toward the sea. He is looking out toward the, all the nations of the world. And in his plans, he is looking for a man that he can incarnate or manifest his evil presence in. One who will totally do his bidding. And in this description, he is described, as John describes seeing this beast... He's coming out of the sea. He has ten horns. He has seven heads. And he has ten crowns on his horns. In chapter 12, there is a description of twelve, I mean, of ten crowns. Here, there is a description of ten kings. And this title of the beast, it not only refers to the man himself, it refers to his kingdom. The kingdom of the Antichrist. We do the same thing when we think of World War II and we think of the Nazi regime and we use that interchangeably with that leader, Hitler. And when we say that Hitler bombed England, Hitler never threw an, flew an aircraft. He was never an airplane pilot. But he is representative of that evil kingdom and in the fact they were used interchangeably. It's in that same way that the beast and the kingdoms and the power of the Antichrist is interchangeably used together. 
In Daniel 7.23, we read about how these kingdoms will come together to devour the earth, to tread and, and, and to crush it. And there's the descriptive phrase here at the end of chapter 13, verse 1, where it tells us that each head had a blasphemous name. In other words, the primary purpose of the Antichrist will be to destroy the integrity and the worship of the one true living God. His attack will be against the Lord. His attack will be against Jesus Christ. Clearly revealed. Turn over with me to chapter 17 of Revelation. We're going to look at a couple of verses, 12 and 13, that describe this purpose it says, the ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with a the beast. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. The purpose of this Antichrist is to come with full force against God and his kingdom and the people of his kingdom. It will be as such a revived Roman Empire who will shake the fist against God and his rightful rule. As you look at past emperors... Domitian, the Roman emperor, he was the one who exiled the apostle John. He wore a gold crown engraved with the images of Rome's chief gods upon his head. He had his priest wear gold crowns as well that were decorated with the likeness of the emperor on the crown. As he saw himself as being divine, as being holy. Matter of fact, on the coins were stamped the image of Nero that had his title, Savior of the World. That's how the Roman emperor saw himself. Later, the Roman emperors would describe themselves as Curios or as Lord, as the Lord to be worshipped. And many Christians would become martyrs because they refused to bow and give the title to the Roman emperor as Lord. For it said, there's only one Lord. There's only one God. And His name is Jesus Christ. There have been many through the years have tried to guess the identity of the Antichrist. To come up with a specific name. Who, I mean, who has not been curious about that? Matter of fact, back during the time of World War II, there were many in the church that speculated the Antichrist was Hitler. And is it any wonder, as you think about some of the clues that seem to line up to pair him as the Antichrist, he looked like a perfect candidate. He grew up in Europe, as, as we'll go over in a, a few moments, a different five different observations about his rise to power. He grew up in Europe. He started out for years as an insignificant leader, but he grew in power and influence as he was raised up in Germany and the regime grew and he gobbled up European nations. He hated Jews. He hated Christians. And he saw himself as the world's Messiah. 
And he believed just as Jesus' birth had changed the calendar, that the conquest of his coming kingdom and regime would bring in a new age. Matter of fact, he said, what Jesus Christ began, I will complete. That was his words. On a photograph, a giant photograph that was enlarged of Adolf Hitler, carried these words, this caption. It said, in the beginning was the word. Was underneath his picture. <laughs> he had this picture of himself being that type of a leader. Now, now let's look uh, quickly at the Antichrist authority. Notice here in uh, chapter two, it says the beast which I saw. He he resembled a leopard. He had feet like those of a bear, and the mouth is that of a lion. And that the dragon gave the beast his power and his throne. And great authority. As you go back to Daniel chapter 7. It, it, just quickly running through this. And as you go through history. We, we already know and we've learned that first kingdom was Babylon. Described as a lion with a ravenous appetite. And then the next kingdom is the Medo-Persian kingdom. That came with crushing claws and massive strength. And then there was the leopard. Talks about the swiftness of that rule. And we know that there was Alexander the Great who in just a short time conquered the world. And he wept because there were no new places to conquer. And then the final kingdom that's described speaks of a kingdom that's dreadful, that's terrible, that's extremely strong, that had large iron teeth. And in perfect unity you have Daniel... As, as he describes this coming kingdom. And you have John in Revelation. 600 years apart. But in agreement. Now let's look at these five observations. Just real quickly here. Uh, from Daniel 7.8. He will rise in influence. From an insignificant polit- political position. He will not start out on top. He will start out in an insignificant position. And he will gain power. Secondly he will work his way. Into this ten country Or king coalition. And three of those kingdoms or those kings will be overthrown. Daniel 7 verse 20. Third, he will gain the loyalty of the remaining kings who will eventually allow him to rule. That's Revelation 17, 13. And fourth, his nationality will be European in general and specifically Roman. Daniel chapter 9 verses 26 and 27. Described as... Uh, This Antichrist is the same nationality of the people that destroyed the temple, which was the Roman Empire. And then fifth, his rise to power will be marked by an ingenious Middle East solution. Daniel 6, 2. I mean, Revelation 6, 2. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. This man will come promising peace to the world. Promising that there will be a license to construct a new temple in Jerusalem. He will be able to conquer amazing, miraculous things. That nobody thought could be possible in the Middle East. In Daniel 9.27, it's described his work as a firm covenant. I looked up in the Amplified that takes a verse and you know makes it a paragraph. And it says, he established a firm and strong covenant. He did something that seemed to be impossible. Every administration in our land has tried to bring peace in the Middle East. To try to bring ambassadors. And yet everybody has failed. As there has been constant fighting. 
is they have not been able to bring forth that agreement. And it's interesting as you read about the European Union and the bringing together of nations. Uh, currently, there's 28 nations in the European Union. A long way to go to knock that number down from 28 to where the Scripture declares it will be as that continues to move forward. But there's little doubt in my mind that this is at work. And the setting is being made for the Antichrist to make his appearance. And it can come at any time. It was interesting. I was just going through news articles this morning, local news, and there was an article today that spoke about a new plan among the European nations to have a European United States. And uh, CNN reported sometime back, for the first time since the Roman Empire, a large portion of Europe now shares a common currency. There's an elected Senate. And of course, this Senate will one day end up becoming a king, a ruler uh, with power and, and great influence this antichrist it's interesting as you look at history the original roman empire started out with a senate with those who ruled together but it ended up becoming a caesar an emperor who would be the one completely in charge arnold toynbee a british historian wrote these words he said by forcing on mankind more and more lethal weapons and at the same time making the world more and more interdependent economically we are ripe for the deification of any new Caesar who might succeed in giving the world unity and peace. We could sit around trying to figure out exactly who this Antichrist is and we could be filled with strife and we could be filled with worry. But the truth of the matter is what matters most is not the specific identity of a name to be paired with this ruler. But that we're ready. That we know Jesus. That we have placed our complete confidence and faith in the risen one. That we have taken the gospel to heart. Because as my understanding of scripture is. When it comes time for that antichrist to finally rise and take power. The church will rise to meet Christ before his rise. We will rise before his rise. But you don't rise to meet Jesus. If you haven't first met him. And been changed by his power. The Bible says unless a man is born from above. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Now I want to close here. The, the spirit of the antichrist. You see we get called up sometimes. I've heard a lot of messages where people want to drop specific information. Specific names. Um, in specific countries. And specific timelines. And we can get into that. But I think what is of greater value. Is that we need to recognize the very spirit of antichrist. This very spirit that is opposed to the living God. The very spirit that wants to somehow snuff out the name of Jesus all around us and through our lives and, and through our culture. And that spirit of Antichrist is everywhere and we're called to stay alert. John says in uh, chapter 2, I think it's verse 18, the Antichrist is coming one day, but even now the spirit of Antichrist is at work. What does the spirit of Antichrist look like? It, as I, I close this message, get to the end of it, here's just a few ideas. If you want a few clues of being able to recognize the spirit of Antichrist. What do you what you do in private is nobody else's business. 
Divorce doesn't really hurt children. It prepares them to face life on their own. This spirit of Antichrist. Marriage is the union of two loving partners regardless of sexual orientation. Belief in moral absolutes is proud. It's unfair. If it's, Ill- if it's legal, it's acceptable. Telling someone they're sinners in need of forgiveness, that's hate speech. Sexual relations before marriage proves you love that person. Truth is a relative term. It's up to you to save planet Earth from destruction. Pride in one's own self and one's own accomplishments are part of a healthy self-image. You're part of the universe. You're just a piece of the divine. PG-13 means a movie suitable for a 13-year-old. Bisexual experimentation is part of discovering the real you. All the wisdom you need is already within you. Abortion is the removal of fetal tissue. What you do in Vegas will not follow you home. At 21, it's legally and socially acceptable to get drunk as long as someone else drives you home. Are you aware, are you familiar with this spirit of Antichrist in our world? The goal of the devil, John 10, he's come to kill, to steal, and destroy. And as the spirit takes over, people's lives are broken and they're crushed further. And they need the real Christ. The real leader. That's what we need is Jesus himself. That we don't get caught up in the lies of the spirit of Antichrist within our world. But that we're called instead to the very spirit of Jesus Christ. Let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you um, for your word. Lord, as we look around us, the spirit of Antichrist is evident. And we do know that the plans are coming together for the Antichrist, the person who is controlled by the red dragon, who's controlled by the devil, to rise to power. And, Father, that those end times are in the works. But, Father, what matters at this moment is that we turn to the one who is able to save us. Father, because without Jesus Christ in our lives, we are headed toward that great struggle, that great tribulation, that world change. We need you, Jesus. And I just pray that, Holy Spirit, you are open to speak to our hearts in this moment we call response and invitation, and that we would simply trust you as we've taken a few moments to look at this portrait and of the Antichrist, this one called Antichrist, this leader, human leader. And I pray, Father, in the weeks ahead, as we open up more about him, Father, that we would be drawn to Jesus himself. Speak to our hearts, Lord, in this time. It is sacred, and may we turn to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.